amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. Welcome to the Pro Audio Suite, a podcast for audio and voiceover professionals. Don't forget to check us out on our Facebook, the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Now let's get on with the show. From Los Angeles, George Witham. From Chicago, Robert Marshall. From Sydney, Australia, Robbo. And from sunny Melbourne, Andrew Peters. This is the Pro Audio Suite. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. This is an Isotope RX-7 Special. Uh, we have on the line Dan Gonzalez from Isotope. How are you, Dan? I am doing great. Really glad to be here. I'm glad I could join you guys again. This is really fun. Excellent. Uh, on a train in Chicago, via Source Connect now, is Robert Marshall. <laughs> G'day, Robert. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I can't believe uh, you're on a train. This is bizarre. Yeah, it's also on a phone catch. And, of course, up in Sydney is Robbo. It's got to be a world first, doesn't it? Podcasting live from a train, surely. Three stores connect now, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, and we're still waiting for George. I know George has uh, got a couple of um, appointments, building home studios and stuff like that, so he uh, hopefully will join us soon. But the interesting thing about Robert being on a train is that no one will hear the background noise because I'll have used RX-7 and it'll be all gone. You took my joke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's how the conversation begins. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so last week I was talking to a guy, Jeff Watkinson, who's a Melbourne-based audio engineer who Robert was also talking to about Source Connect. Uh, he was talking about uh, Isotope and using Spectral Repair. That's one of yours. That is correct. That's part of the RX-7 suite, indeed. Yep. Now, he, he, uh, he's, like, he's a chap of my vintage. Um, he was completely and utterly blown away how it worked. He couldn't believe how good it was. Can you explain exactly how it works? I can explain it to a level... Uh, I know enough to be dangerous as it pertains to the DSP under the hood. But, yeah, the way it works is... The spectral processing inside of our plugins usually means that the entire spectrum is divided up into many, 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 many bands, right? And um, the way the kind of, I guess you could say, the wizards uh, do their magic is they can actually break the signal down into so many granular parts that we can actually make decisions on each one of those bands. So, for example, a, a more recent example of like our spectral processing is the spectral DS module where it can like divide the signal into like 72 bands and then it can actually know and intelligently find S's in the music and just remove them automatically. You can actually, and when it isolates those S's, you can actually push it and shape it towards a sound like white noise, pink noise, or brown noise. When it comes to spectral processing, it's really like this granularity that you can apply to a signal that is unlike anything else um, that has been designed in uh, for this type of media. 
Um, and it was built from the ground up at Isotope by an in-house guy named Alexi Lucan. Shout out to Alexi. He's the he's been there for quite a while and has been developing this stuff uh, for a, a long time. So, yeah, it's 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 a really complex subject, but it, it basically divides the signal into tiny, tiny, tiny little parts that then become controllable however you please. Spectral repair is an example where we can isolate uh, specific things within the actual spectrogram. Um, and remove them, augment them, replace them, look at the area around it, uh, kind of build stuff to hide stuff. It's, it's like an incredibly complex set of tools, but the end result is you can take something like a clap or a whistle or um, a train, <laughs> or for example, and completely, completely remove it from behind um, someone speaking or a dialogue track or or some sort of um, some sort of other set audio or any location audio. So it's a really powerful tool, um, and it's a new way to kind of, uh, I guess you could say, separate uh, elements of audio in ways nobody's ever seen. So um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty wacky. It's like Photoshop. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like Photoshop for audio. Yeah, yeah, like like the way I've used it before is like someone who has a chain in the audio signal, and then you can select a signal that's just after the chain and sort of copy that, that just that band of frequencies. So, so that you grab the moment just after that still has the background noise that you want and paste it way, right over where that chain is. And maybe you can't do the same thing to the bottom of the chain as much because there's some other signal in there, but you can eliminate it almost completely. If, you know, yeah. especially the high frequency content of it and replace it with something that is needs to be there because that's part of the background that would have been there. It's kind of amazing. The, um, the best example I've seen is uh, the guys in The Walking Dead. They have like a very specific preset for cicadas because they're always, they're always in the uh, south and out in uh, Georgia um, recording outside, you know what I mean? So whenever you pull up their set, their location audio on uh, one of The Walking Dead scenes, you just see this like frequency band and it's just all cicadas. And they use spectral repair. They have a specific preset that eliminates that cicada sound. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. That's great. It's, I've, I've got to say, it, it has saved my butt many a time, with, uh, especially with sort of live, in inverted commas, live recordings and things like that where you can't go back and say, let's do another take. Uh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I think it was um, one of like those like electro bands um, – trying to remember the name but they made a song and the spectrogram was like the face of the singer so if you if you just analyze the song the spectrogram was an actual image no really (laughs) (laughs) we've had we've had people uh we've had people actually build in easter eggs uh into their music and you only see them when you pull them into a spectrogram so for example I think it was, it was definitely a joke, obviously, but I remember like there was some metal band that they went into the spectrogram or someone did, and they used one of the paint tools or one of the tools to like, just paint six, six, six into the audio file. And then they just, you know, then they released it. And so if you were ever someone who pulled in the audio into a spectrogram in RX specifically, you could actually see that painted into the spectrogram. And it's just like, really guys? Like what? (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's it's actually more doable than you would think. <laughs> it's taking those days of subliminal messages to a whole new level, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you load if you load in any Beatles songs into uh, the spectrogram, do you see uh, any 
crazy images or yeah, dead backward people masking or, or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just says, I command you in the name of Lucifer to spread the blood of the innocents. And it's just like the entire thing is just saying that for, it's like, no, seriously, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing tool. Um, and yeah, that's really what it is. It's Photoshop for audio. That's, that's really the, what it comes down to. It's a new way to, it's a way to visualize audio in 3d in a 2d space, right? Cause you're getting amplitude, you're getting time and you're getting mm. frequency all the one visualization. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you remember an app called medicine? No, no. I'm like dating myself. So it was like kind of like very late nineties, um, early two thousands. And, it was essentially you had very Photoshop like tools. You could create swirls and create all kinds of like optical things. And then out of those, like maybe you could turn an image into an oscillator because it's just, you know, repeating. And it was a whole synthesizer that was based on these spectrograms as one of its ways of generating complex waveforms. I just Googled it and it looks rad. Is, is, is there a website for it? No, I don't know. I just I just googled Medicine Six, and, and me, sorry, I googled Medicine, and Medicine Six came up, and it looks like something that should be, it looks like something the guys on the Splice should be selling. You know what I mean? It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's not, it sounds like it's still going. That's really cool. For just two hundred and forty nine dollars, it can be yours. <laughs> there you go. Bargain at half the price. Now, my question is, as uh, someone who is not an audio engineer, which is uh, quite obvious to anyone that's been listening to this podcast, um, recently I acquired RX-7 Standard. Uh, the only thing I've kind of used so far is uh, mouth D-click, which is very handy. Yeah. Um, but for someone like me who's uh, you know a voiceover guy, works at home, what do you see as the benefits using RX-7, and would it annoy the crap out of an audio engineer who receives a file from me? Well, um I think one of the biggest things that uh, a lot of when you're passing audio files between two type, two people, especially an audio engineer, especially someone who maybe is um, inexperienced in, in that kind of domain. Um, I think the best thing about RX, honestly, for, for someone who is not an audio engineer is when they open it up and they just, the presets are unbelievable. Open up the presets and uh, for any particular module. And we have specifically designed those to work on just about any type of material. And the best part about this is if you actually open up the editor and you start um, and you start working through the modules, you'll notice that there's one called module chain. Module chain is an even more powerful. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like one of these preset kind of uh, module preset kind of signal chains where you can take, you can pick a, pull up a preset and it'll pull up any signal chain you want for any specific scenario. Um, so you can find all different types of scenarios in there uh, for your use cases. Then when we got to RX-7, uh, we decided to go after um, kind of what you've been seeing in all of our other mixing and mastering plugins. We decided to pick it up a notch and go after our system technology. So we introduced Repair Assistant. Um, and what Repair Assistant does is basically acts as your own um, it kind of just acts as a, it acts as a way to suggest specific settings for the program material that you're working on. So um, I think for beginners and for anybody who's getting into RX, those are three places to start. And it's kind of the evolution of how we started building out um, kind of RX for people to use. Presets, module chain, and then we eventually got to repair a system. Um, but it's funny you bring up the thing that <laughs> the thing about kind of pissing off another an engineer. Um, we hear a lot of people talk about 
uh, dialogue or voiceover or just generally any music being too RX'd. You know what I mean? Like having a sound where it's just way too RX'd because people don't, people don't really understand the concept of noise removal and kind of corrective processing. Uh, they kind of overdo it. Right. So I think the best advice could be just um, try and figure out what is good enough and, or what is maybe 50%, 80% of the stuff that um, will be okay to uh, hand off to an audio engineer and let them take care of the rest. Don't try and do the whole thing. You know what I mean? Cause I think if you try and overshape and overcorrect, um, you're generally going to be giving something to someone and they're going to say to themselves, how can I undo everything that you just did to this audio? Um, <laughs> so that's kind of, it's usually what happens and what we hear from a lot of people. So I think presets, repair assistant, module chain. And then I also believe, uh, take it easy on the repair because it can, you can overdo it. Um, and I think those are some good ways to approach RX for the first time. Over RX night might become the next chair thing, like with the over um, auto-tuned sort of thing. You know, that might be the next next hit. Someone might have the next hit by, you know, over instead of over <laughs> auto-tune, over RX it and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, in, it's interesting that uh, RX has become part of the vernacular of uh, audio engineering. Well, it's great for Isotope, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I, re- I remember that the, um, when, I, when I first started out, and, and I was working at a studio that had no noise and I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. And, um, one of the engineers had just dubbed it internally, like no music or something, because at first it was like that, that same thing where I was like, this is amazing. It can do no wrong. And people for a while were like remastering things and just like denoising the, the life out of them in a sense. You know, it's funny. You think about what dither is. It's just like, let's always be in there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It goes away if it's, if it's not like pointed out and made, made obvious. So like some noise is like better left alone in yeah. some approaches, you know. So what, so Robert, there's a question for you. So if say for instance, I, you know, a voice guy was sending, voice girl, uh, was sending you a file and they'd, they had RX7 and they decided to do uh, a bit of mouth de-click uh, maybe a bit of um, some kind of other noise removal. How would you feel about getting that file? Well, I, I now have like elements or something. I don't have the full RX. Um, so if it was better than what I've got, great. But if I hear it, I would rather basically, like I would rather have a voiceover, not even gate. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com whatever residual noises in the room, if, even if it's like a really low level expander, I would rather do everything. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a, there's a thing though, like if you, if you're uh, like someone like me, you're always concerned that someone at the other end is going to think that you all set up your shit. So, mm. you know, you're always trying to cover it, you know, pretty up, you know, polish the turd, as they say. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know about Robert, but I would say two things here. I'd hide the weenie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, look, I, I'd say two things. I, from from my point of view, um, firstly, I don't think a click or a pop or you know a mouth noise or anything like that is going to necessarily make me think your setup is shit. Um, and secondly, 
probably being a little more old school in the way I edit, rather than turn to the plug-in first, I, I still always try to cut it out. Um, you yep. know, if, if first, and then if then if that doesn't work, I'll turn to the plug-in. I don't know whether everybody works that way. Maybe not, but I grew up in the tape days, so I guess that's my first instinct. Instinct is to to cut first, process second, and only if necessary. So um, so yeah, so leaving it in to me wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, like 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 to be honest, I've found that a I don't run into enough crappy audio that can't be just captured properly, and then. Most of what I need to clean up, you know, like it starts out with editing, then it's maybe an expander, and then it's like essentially whatever like broadband noise reduction is, is like at hand. There's a few of them that they're like bundled into things, so those just kind of reduce the remaining of what's necessary. And even though you know there's like something better out there, it's not necessarily like you can't solve the problem for a lot of things. You know, that, that said, all in one module, I think he was talking about like a chain. So usually my noise reduction is in that order. And those are all different plugins. Indeed. And then there was silence. <laughs> Robert <laughs> stunned <laughs> the room. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes me. <laughs> I just put on RX. Get rid of the uh, get rid of the questions. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's no, the no, next. We were talking about that before we started recording. That uh, you know that Isotope should come up with a, a plugin that sort of separates the stems when you're recording three or four people on on one track. And that that might, and then uh, once right. you've done that one, Dan, the next one after that would be the remove the shit question plugin. So you know, <laughs> it just just goes through your podcasts and gets rid of all the duds and just leaves the good ones. Jeez, we'd have a very short podcast. Yes, we would. You can first find the auto leap that just knows only expletives. Oh, there you go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of creative ways in which I've, I've thought about solutions for the various things that people do when they're editing dialogue or just editing in general, you know. I remember when I was doing just a little bit of voice uh, editing at a, it was, uh, it was at a studio here in Boston um, a long time ago. And I would watch the producer, she was marking up uh, scripts, but she was marking up, she was marking them up as she was, you know, like you would with anything where the mistakes would happen and all this. And I'm sitting here thinking like 10 years later, I'm like, Man, like, imagine if you could just figure out when a bad take happens. You know what I mean? You can you can see when like someone is redoing a line, and like it just knows that, and it can it can say, "Hey, I think this is a take gone bad." So you know, like we uh, we may have removed it for you, and or we marked it for you, so that you can you know you can move forward. It just there's so many different scenarios in which this type of software can be going. You know what I mean? And we're kind of every day thinking about all those scenarios and how we can solve problems for people, but it's it's not just as simple as, uh, you know, waving a magic wand. I wish it was, but it's not yet. So <laughs> that would that would be a really interesting one, though. Are you guys diving into AI? Yeah, yeah, we totally are. Uh oh. Yeah, we, um, that's where it's like you know you can. <laughs> yeah, that's when everybody's going to lose their jobs. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, good on you, Dan. Thanks. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Everybody's yeah. going to lose their jobs, and uh, yep, the world's going to end. It's very apocalyptic. No. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, with data, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a complex subject. But you know, the thing about data is that it's really useless without some sort of human interaction. Um, you know, and and it's really useless without really having a core set of assumptions around what you intend to do with that data. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
we can collect as much data as we want on, on as much stuff as we want. But like at the end of the day, it has to like all equal something and, and net out to something that like makes sense and solves problems for our users. So it's a super complex thing. Um, and I still am even like, I've been working at ISO for like two and a half years now. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the complexities behind AI and data collection on all that, you know? Yeah. The thing that the thing that I always come back to, Dan, the thing that always occurs to me is, you know, people talk about, um, you know, uh, with AI and audio and all that sort of stuff that, you know, all this stuff will, you know, one day be able to happen in, happen in the box. You know, let's say that Isotope come up with a plugin that can identify the go takes and put it all and maybe even edit it all together. But it's still got to get into the box in the first place. And and that's the yeah. thing that will that, that's the thing that can never be replaced. You know that right. where exper- experience and talent will always still be needed to get it in the box first. Right. But what's what's the box that you guys made? It's like set it on a table and it's got a badass preamp and microphone in it. Is it the Sapphire? Am I getting the name wrong? I think. Oh no no! You're talking about Spire. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, that Spire, is yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. Spire is a is a our first hardware our first truly like hardware device that um, is essentially a, it's a recording studio all in one. It's got two preamps on the back designed by Grace, um, Phantom Power. It's got a wireless connection to uh, both Android and iPhone. So you can actually, you know, record, record into it. It's got battery life so you can take it wherever you want. Um, And the audio gets recorded wirelessly to your phone into our Spire app. And then it also gets recorded onto the internal memory that we have on the device using a uh, omnidirectional microphone on the very front. So you can basically put the device anywhere in front of the source and stand however way you want it. Um, it's a super easy and fun experience for taking, like going from that like moment of I have an idea to recording it within seconds. Um, it's, a truly, it's a truly innovative uh, kind of form factor and we're really excited about it. I hadn't seen that. Wow. Yeah, do you, do you go to the AES conventions, I assume? And, yes, um, yeah, I do. There's a, there's a company that makes a, it basically records in their own format, but it's like something like a 16-order, um, you know, binaural signal, I think. I'm not sure exactly, but it records, and each one records 16 channels. And the, the example is crazy where they're recording with this, like, big tetrahedral or whatever, however many capsules are on it. And then after the fact, they can amazingly focus the signal on, you know, everybody around. So you can just have a bunch of people standing around this one microphone. And then depending on how you tune that microphone, the decoding of it, you can focus almost entirely on the guy on the left or almost entirely on the person in front. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. It's called uh, Zillia, and it's a black orb that has like nine capsules in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think there's there's a little aspect of it that's a little bit consumery. Like, it, I think it's like you know not balanced or some other stuff like that. But still pretty amazing. Like in the concept, at least. Yeah, like, I think it's like uh, the concept is really cool. If you think about like where that kind of what they're driving at there, they're driving at that like single form factor can separate all the instruments in the room, um, and that's that's really close to the idea behind our music rebalance 
uh, feature inside of RX-7 where you can just take any track and regardless of what state it's in, remove and or augment and or um, rebalance the vocals, the drums, the bass, uh, anything else in the mix. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really nice, it's a cool idea. I think it's priced at like a thousand dollars though, which is pretty funny. (laughs) It's a pretty, it's a pretty expensive little guy. Um, but yeah, other thing's cool. I've seen it before. It's awesome. It's the unbaked the cake thing. I always thought it'd be interesting to marry that idea of the multi-capsule microphone with something like this, like stick it anywhere and, have a reasonable shot at eventually having a good recording, even though you've been fairly careless about your mic placement even. Totally. That's a dream, man. That's a dream. Being able to just capture anything and work with it with any quality and have it sound amazing all the time. Um, yeah. We're always having right. big ideas about that at Isotope. We're always trying to figure out how to deliver those types of experiences to our customers. Um, yeah. There's no shortage of ideas. <laughs> it's a little complicated. <laughs> But that's a really interesting idea, though, to have um, a microphone with multiple capsules uh, that are spaced out that you can, you know, sort of cherry pick or, you know, add a, a two together or three together. Or Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's actually a very old idea. The sound field was the first microphone that did it with a tetrahedron. Um, using the same technology in reverse, I saw this at NAB, was a speaker that was like a sphere that had a whole bunch of speakers on it. And so what they had was a guy playing guitar and they invited you to walk around the guy playing guitar. And then they switched over to the same recording, basically coming out that speaker and you walked around the speaker and it was like the guitar was in the room. Cause you walked behind it and you heard it change a little bit. You know what I mean? That's really cool. Wow. That's really cool. It was like a point source becoming 3D. It was like the whole process in reverse. So was it like an anechoic speaker? Um, it, was, it was a tetrahedral or more than that speaker. It was cool, man. It didn't have, I don't know if it had one firing down, but it had like one on the top and probably like three across the front. I'm trying to remember. They were all evenly spaced. And yeah, when you closed your eyes, there was a guitar player in the room, even though it was a speaker. And it was different than like, oh, I'm listening to like my speaker because it was three-dimensional compared to even your stereo system, which is still really at best 2D. Man, that's crazy what people are doing these days. That's coming from me. (laughs) Yeah, clever, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's clever. Now, I do have a question for you, Dan, and I I sent you an email about this. Um, With RX-7, I got RX-7 standard, as I mentioned before. And when right. I put it into uh, WaveLab 9.5, if I put it in the stack, um, it, it intermittently makes WaveLab close. So it's telling me that something is not talking to something correctly. Is, is that an issue you've come across before? Um, not particularly, mostly because a lot of our hosts, I would say like the majority of the people using RX are mainly in Pro Tools and I believe Nuendo um, is a very small percentage of it. But our largest DAW that we support today is Pro Tools. And uh, look, I don't know how many people are actually in WaveLab. So if it doesn't fall within like our supported host, chances are that there could be some weirdness with the way our plugins interact with the host. Um, yeah. But I haven't, I haven't actually seen this, this first time I've actually heard of, of that happening within WaveLab. So um, I can definitely dig into that more, but my, my bet is that when we are building the products, we are testing in DAWs that are most used for the actual 
hosts. Sorry, the most DAOs that are these are being used within. So um, it's yeah, possible yeah. that something has slipped through a specific way in which Wave Lab works with the plugins. Yeah, because I, I do know a lot of mu- music guys use uh, Steinberg Wave Lab for mastering. Yeah. Um, so I would have thought that would have been if you were mastering. I'm kind of guessing that that's where you probably use some of your plugins. I could be wrong, but um, does that make sense? Yeah, you'd be you'd be surprised at the the ratios of DAWs, um, like how little actual mastering software is being used by um, a plugin like Ozone, for example. Like you know, we we see a lot of guys. What we will see is we will see a lot of um, people who are into rock music and kind of electronic dance music. Um, using DAWs that are more, you know, uh, more music focused for a mastering plugin, for example, you know, um, it's a similar case where WaveLab doesn't come up as I don't believe WaveLab actually comes up as a mastering host that we support for Ozone, even though that in and of itself is mastering software. And it's really just the way it's just we're we're basing it off the way our customers use products because there's no way for us to test all 500 or 1,000 DAWs that exist in the world. Um, I think that's how many there are at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. It's surprising in the way that people use our plugins. I would expect people to be using a lot more WaveLab, but um, I think the majority, as we kind of move forward into the future, you know, people are more people are recording, more people are working with music, more people are doing the stuff themselves. So they're they're reaching for solutions and DAWs that are maybe a little bit more accessible. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, you know what I mean? It's it's becoming a bit democratized. So you'll see more logics, more to, you know, that's a DAW that's $199. How much Reaper are you saying? Um, Reaper has definitely been rising over the years, honestly. Um, it's one of those DAWs that when I was at Cakewalk, we, we saw, we lost a lot of people to Reaper because it was a, a, a DAW that worked really well on Windows. And um, at Cakewalk, we had made a big switch to a new kind of interface. So we lost a lot of customers. And then we saw all these, like all this popularity of Reaper and all of our, all of our Cakewalk customers uh, started just talking about how they switched to Reaper. And now on that an isotope years later, you know, this is a product that's coming up over and over and over and over again. Um, and we definitely test for it. And I'm pretty sure all of our engineers actually use it. So it's, it's becoming actually a very popular DAW. Um, and they're doing really cool things. Like they've integrated ARA, you know, it's, it's incredible. I think Reaper is... Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Amazing, and I would venture to say watch out Pro Tools because... It's definitely the choice of people that can't afford stuff and as they enter the workforce. And then you look at some of the features that Reaper has that 
like Reaper can record the output of the whole plugin chain in just one click, whereas like Pro Tools, you're busting around to do that. And you look at how lightweight Reaper is compared to Pro Tools, it's insane. It's tiny compared to how big Pro Tools is. And even though, you know, you would say like, well, Pro Tools is so powerful, of course it's huge. But it's like, I don't know, like Reaper almost one for ones all of Pro Tools features, except for like some of like the really obscure, more post-oriented stuff. But, you know, like, Probably the hardest thing about Reaper is the interface. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, a lot of those, a lot of those studios, and a lot of those post houses, and a lot of those juggernauts that are into Pro Tools, they have all the hardware and all the accelerated DSP cards that come with Pro Tools. And so there's just this whole platform that Avid has on, you know, a lot of people's systems that I don't know if Reaper will ever be able to top. But you are right. There are there are smaller, ad, more agile companies that are moving and doing things and implementing features that are just beyond what Pro Tools has done, you know? I mean, I, I remember when they introduced spectral editing in Reaper, and I was like, really? You guys put spectral editing in Reaper? How the heck did you do that? And you can multi, multi-track spectral editing. And, and I think I think the only other dog that does that is, re, is uh, Audition. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, that's a really interesting point. With uh, So basically, if you talk about Reaper, you talk about people who are learning on a budget. Uh, they will probably go Reaper as opposed to Pro Tools. So with RX, do you target those people who are at the entry level working in a, on a budget so it becomes just a tool they're so used to that when they do actually get to the point of working in a big production suite that they take those tools with them? Um, I wouldn't say we're intentionally going after them, but I will say that we are aware of the the... I guess you could say the people who aren't in the production houses doing the editorial work for major motion films and, and television shows, you know what I mean? We are, we're well aware that those, those individuals exist. Um, and we are, we're still kind of thinking about what do we do? You know what I mean? Cause we're at a point now where we're kind of an industry standard and much like Avid could potentially be usurped by some sort of smaller, more agile company or something, you know, now that's, that's always a scare for any big company when you're in that kind of position, but um, we're well aware of it, you know, and we're always keeping tabs on that stuff. And, and I'm pretty sure we have great relationships with all of the people that are in our space as well. So it's one of those things we're all, it's a small industry, one big happy family, and we're all kind of fighting for market share in our own strange little ways. Um, You know, so, but yeah, observing the way these people who are getting into the industry work, you know, is really interesting. I remember doing, I remember talking to a guy that was like a full-time podcast engineer and I was like, oh, cool. So you must be um, Pro Tools, you know, all that stuff. He's like, nope, I use Hindenburg. And I'm like, oh, okay. Hindenburg. <laughs> what? Wow. All right. Sweet. Yeah, that's like a popular one with reporters. Yep. That's, totally. That's, that's popular with reporters and radio stations yep. and, uh, and, and a similar crowd to the audition crowd. Yep. Which is, you know, which, which stems really from cool edit. The reason why Audition is in radio so much really has nothing to do with Adobe. Like, it's just serendipitous that Adobe got that through Audition having per- they purchased cool edit to make Audition. Exactly. But it's funny, though, if you talk about that sort of analogy of people growing up with something and taking it with them, changing the product to, say, a microphone, for instance, if you're a budget guy working at home, you're not going to go out and buy a U47. But when you when you get to a position where you can afford a U forty seven, you're probably going to buy a U forty seven. So does RX kind of put itself in that kind of U forty seven area, where it's something that you aspire to? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't actually know the answer to that. 
I think um, I can answer that. Oh, can you? <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, I can, I can answer it from I can answer it from a studio point of view because I'm I'm the person oh. that 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 um, Andrew's talking about. From my point of view, I, I think where you've been clever is you have RX seven standard, which is basically yep. the the bare bones of the things that you'll need to get you going. But then, you know, like I did, spent the whatever it was, 1100 1200 1300 bucks, and went for the full suite with the spectral analysis and all that stuff. And, yes, that was, that was how I got there. I started with, with, with the, 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 the cheaper version first. Um, and then and when I realised, shit, I'm using this and I'm using it regularly and I could use all the other stuff, it's, it's definitely worth my while investing, then, then you do. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether that's the way you designed it, but certainly that's the way I ended up following the chain yeah we we you know we know that the the high-end the advanced version is like a professional tool sometimes i question the way people actually i mean i think a case in point like you specifically worked up to buying it sometimes i wonder though like you know is that what people are actually doing because um we we go out of the gate saying that all the time and obviously we expect our you know we expect customers to be um professionals when they purchase that software but you know, um, you'd be surprised, you know, there are a ton of people who own RX advanced that are just, you know, amateurs or, you know, they're kind of got that, that mentality that get, you know, that Gibson has where they are, you know, they sell to lawyers, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like interesting, <laughs> you know? So, but I mean, I, I would say that it, it is definitely something to work up to and to, to double down on that, we specifically have an elements version of rx where you can get it for 129 dollars and get the spectral editor so um i think we could see we want to see a lot of podcasters and a lot of voiceover artists really getting into that because that's kind of the entry level you know what i mean and from there you can really learn the tools and and upgrade uh to the advanced version eventually well the two big industries that are booming obviously are podcasting for a kickoff and uh, audiobooks um totally and audiobooks are massive. I mean, this is a, a never-ending industry. You know, you're never going to run out of books to to, to uh, turn into audiobooks. So are you guys looking at anything, any tools, like we mentioned before, that would um, help people doing audiobooks? It's um, a good question. I, I think that's a space that has a lot of potential. Um, and the more we look at the general problems that people um, are kind of running into, the more we get back to thinking about how we can eliminate steps in the editing and repair process for people who maybe don't want to get into the weeds with every single S or every single plosive in an entire dialogue track. That's why we're kind of introducing these this idea of like assistive technology, like repair assistant, where this is meant and to be aimed at um, kind of the, the essentials of what you would need to get a starting point for repairing and uh, repairing something or editing something. So uh, when we, when we look to the future, we look at expanding that type of technology because we think that that's really where the future is for a lot of people, you know? Um, and I think that, I don't know, I think that like there's so many people getting into this and there's no time to be doing, spending hours doing this stuff that the future's kind of going there. We're eliminating, we're kind of bringing these workflows all together and, um, consolidating workflows and not the scary kind of consolidation where people are losing their jobs, but the, the good kind where people, where these things are enabling people to be more creative. You know what I mean? They're, they're giving you more time back so that you can spend more time working on something, writing a script, being creative, going out and doing more research so that you can tell your story better, you know? 
Um, so I think that's I think that's that's really where we're, where our heads are at. Um, you know, really expanding that kind of uh, assistive technology. Like audiobooks are a pain in the neck. Um, for the money yeah. you get, the you know, for the amount of work that goes into it, to um, especially if you're you know, if you can read the whole book without making a mistake and moving <laughs> off mic every time you breathe and don't click or anything, uh, perfect. But that's a robot. So for the rest yeah. of normal human beings, that doesn't happen that way. So they spend hours and hours cleaning up the audio, you know, doing the edits, getting rid of all the, the mistakes and all those bits and pieces. Totally. You know the way around that, don't you? Get someone else to read it? No, just, hey, Siri, read War and Peace. <laughs> <laughs> ah, look, there you go. Siri's answering me. <laughs> oh, good on you, Siri. But any of those kind of plugins would be fantastic. And even doing like long form stuff, if I do e-learning and things, it's always the edit that takes the time. Yeah. And the, the scary thing about AI, and it even kind of scares me today, but you know, I think it's, I think it's cool. If you have enough data, I think just about any behavior can be learned by an algorithm and then you can train it to make decisions on its own. Now, these are very primitive decisions and the, the decisions have to be very clear cut. You can't just say, go, uh, go fix this audio because it sounds weird. You can't do that yet. But like, you know, there's a point where you can say, you know, here's a specific problem. I have enough data to back that up and we can actually design a plugin that will address that. We've done this with like, you know, like you said, uh, mouth de-click or de-rustle or uh, dialogue de-reverb. These are tools that are highly specialized for very specific use cases. And there's no reason to think that over time, some long form e-learning, um, those types of scenarios could be learned and then solved with some sort of plugin. I totally see a future where that could happen. Oops. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm interested to ask you the question talking about the, it's probably this is moving outside the voiceover spectrum a bit, but I'm not sure whether it comes with elements or whether it's only with the top end version of RX, but the music rebalance, um, I've, I've sort of used that for many things in my radio imaging work, but I'm wondering where that came from. Was, what was the demand that, um, that Isotope was answering when you developed that one? I mean, it really comes down to us being these obs unapologetically obsessed with sound and, and the R&D behind sound and just exploring the future of where audio is. Um, that's really where some of the stuff comes from. I mean, we, we, we think of ourselves as always trying to go where the puck will be and being able to take something. And I think the phrase earlier, uh, was used unbake the cake. That's really always mm -hmm. been the, the, the dream that people have had. Um, and you know, with machine learning, it's now possible to do that. Um, so we thought, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a big music market out there and we want to get music. We want to get RX into the hands of more musicians because it has so many benefits for their workflows. So we experimented, we took a big risk and said, Hey, here's a tool that allows you to separate these basic elements of a mix. And, uh, you know, we thought of it like, well, this could be pretty powerful in the hands of music users and it's pretty amazing technology. Let's see if we could, you know, make this get get this in the hands of music users and get more get the word out that RX is for music. Um, and that, that's really where the assumption was. It was to try and really just address and understand 
um, musicians' workflows and, and really help them in, in ways they never thought they could. Um, so it was less of a it was less of like a we saw a clear problem that we had to solve with ones and zeros and that's that. And it was more of like, let's go to where the puck is and see if we can drive a workflow that's never been done before. And what, I, what we've seen since is people using that tool to do things I've never seen. We never even dreamed of doing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. remixing and, and, and isolating, like you were saying, isolating uh, infamous songs or rebalance, rebalancing songs that had crappy recordings. And um, I've seen it used for noise removal in, or sorry, bleed removal in live scenarios where you have a single microphone on a vocal and the drums are behind the mic and you just take the drums out. Like it's crazy. Wow. What been doing yeah. Like, yeah. You don't you think know? about that. Yeah. That's clever. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's um yeah we put, we put that in standard because we felt like that was the price point that a lot of our customers who are into music are really you know operating at. Ah, uh, oh, so that is in standard. That is I, I couldn't yep, remember. That's it in is standard. in standard. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say because uh, yeah, I, I think I think you're right, and it's it's not just you musicians as as we talked about before this episode we started recording. Um, you know, I think radio has really, or radio imaging guys have really taken to it. I hear it used in a lot of places with different things. Well, every time we have a conversation with someone. Yeah, tell me about more of the radio imaging. I haven't heard about that yet. Okay, so, uh, well, I mean, I, I think before the show, we talked about how I used it. Um, and and right. let's, re- let's recap for the listeners who weren't, in, who weren't there. Um, I was working for a radio station who was doing a Friday promotion. It was Feel Good Friday or something like that. Oh, that's what you were talking about. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I took... I took the Q. It's a top forty station, but I, I loved the I love the idea of everything old becoming new in in my approach to radio imaging. And so I took the Q as Friday. I'm in love. Used your music rebalance and basically isolated the vocal Friday. I'm in love, but then put that over a loop that I. In, in fact, what what I'll do at the end of the show, I'll, I'll play the promo and people can hear what I did. But um, it took put that over a loop that I'd created and some synth sounds and all that sort of stuff and all the imaging around it, the woohoo, the waha, the voiceover, all that sort of stuff. And and that's how I used it. But I, I've heard other guys uh, sampling guitar riffs in rock stations now and I, I'm presuming that uh, they've, I I, they've okay. used... They've used like the, they'll they'll use uh, let's say an ACDC riff, for, but they've isolated just the guitar and they use that to start a promo, so it grabs your attention or whatever. So it's being used all over the place in radio. For um, I I would I imagine people are using that to uh, to sort of steal little bits and pieces and 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 sort of make everything new again, as you say. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's like it's like getting the original stems, isn't it? Really. It is, yeah. It's like having the multi-track there and going, "Wow, what bits of this can I use now?" It sort of it opens up a whole new world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What is your um, What is your biggest market? Is it music, or do you actually know who the biggest buyers are? Um, I think I think the two biggest markets for us. Um, I, I would say that Post is one of our biggest, uh, and then I think I don't know how to characterize it, but Ozone is like our biggest. You know, I think it's one of our biggest and most popular plugins. Um, so I think, you know, from 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 L.A. to Japan to Germany to England, France, probably Australia, you know, they're like everybody uses Ozone. I've seen people build studios around the idea that Ozone exists and they only use Ozone to replace all of their gear. Um, so if I were to say anything, I would say that I would say that Ozone is probably the, the whole kind of mastering world is really our 
Um, that's really our specialty. And I would say RX and Post is a close second. Um, you know, um, it's kind of amazing how popular Ozone is and RX is. It's to the point where people refer to those plugins. Um, I've heard this more than once, but they say, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. It, I've got, uh, I got, I've been meaning to try out the isotope. And I'm like, what, what do you mean the isotope? You know, the isotope, the mastering <laughs> software. I'm like, you mean ozone? He's like, yeah, the, is the, the isotope, you know? And it's like, <laughs> we are, <laughs> the name of the company and the products are now interchangeable to some people because um, they're That's popular. So funny. We had the reverse. Oh yeah. So, so we have people calling, yeah, we have people calling the company like Source Connect. It's like, well, actually the company Source Elements, the, our popular software is Source Connect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. There you go. It's, the other one I've been playing with just as an aside is Nectar. Um, I think you had it on sale or something. And I, I, I've said to the boys, it's I use it a lot now. I find I use it a lot now when I want to do something quickly. So where, yeah. you know, if, if, if where I would muck around with, you know, okay, here's my voice track, let's compress it, let's EQ it, let's blah, blah, blah. If I'm in a rush now but I still want to get a good sound, I actually find I'm throwing it into Nectar um, and I start with the suggestion that you do. Um, what's What do you call that? Um the assistant, and then I and then I just change it, change it from there. Um, so it, I'm finding when I'm, you know, whether it's a job that's not paying a lot of money, but I still need to get done, or whether I'm just really am pushed for time, um, yeah. I'm finding I'm throwing it into there, and it and it really is great. It's very very intuitive. That's an awesome. Yeah, that plugin is the Nectar Elements and Nectar Three that came after it. It was kind of based around the idea that there's very specific steps involved in vocal production and, you know, unsurprisingly work great with dialogue and voiceover. Um, and those, those specific steps all lead to a place where the speaker or the singer just sounds good in context with whatever elements are around it. So the theory was, can we design a chain of effects or intelligent suggestions that always, no matter what, make the speaker, the singer, um, the voice actor sound good in context to their, uh, their mix. And that's where the whole idea of Nectar Elements came from and the whole idea of like vocal assistant came from where like these are things that people do every day. We can, we can definitely solve this and make this easier for people and then make it more creative, frankly. Um, so that's exciting that you're using that, man. That's, that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad yeah, to hear that. I'm only just starting. It's only been a month or so, but I'm loving it. Yeah, really good. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Dan, what do you, what do you think about uh, like Slate Audio and Townsend with uh, what they're doing with microphones? Oh, that stuff is awesome. Um, I think it's awesome where the technology has taken us. We the, This technology existed a long time ago, which is interesting. Not a long time ago. I mean, it was like 20 years ago. But I think it was Antares put out the first like mic modeling kind of tech. Um, I forget what it was called, but it was like a hardware unit. And it had like just like... It was called Mic Modeler. But before that, they had a plugin called SS which is spectral shaping tool, which was essentially mic modeler. If you wanted to do all the work yourself, it was like an FFT. I'll calculate the difference kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's spectacular technology, honestly. I think um, what Townsend and Slate are doing is they're really making the idea of the U47 being the microphone that you need in order to be a professional go away and doing and addressing it in ways that are, is like truly just mind blowing, you know. I, I think the the Townsend mic, especially, it it does a really great job of being able to even match the polar patterns and allow the users to flip the polar patterns after the recording is done. 
And it's like, these are things that could have never been done before. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's just so creative in the way they've implemented. So I love it. I think it's really cool. And I think the idea that you only need a single microphone to really get your production done is, is it's a, it's a kind of one of those big, hairy, audacious goals, but like somehow they've delivered on that, you know? Um, so I think it's awesome. Honestly, I, I do really think it's a really cool, a really cool technology. And I'm honestly really excited to see where it goes in the future, you know, cause we're, this is the first round of it. We're only going to get more crazier things down the line. Well, the fact that you're using uh, Grace Design to do uh, a couple of your preamps, yep. it leads me to the question, are you talking to microphone companies to uh, look at that area? Um, I wouldn't say we're, I mean, we, we have a great relationship with all of the microphone companies out there. Um, you know, and I just think that there's never, there hasn't been an opportunity yet. I don't know if there will be one in the future, but, you know, we're always, we have our stuff bundled with some microphone companies like Blue Microphone. So we're always, we're always talking to them and, and just kind of uh, meeting up at trade shows and whatnot. But, you know, I don't know, there could be a cool partnership in the future, but um, I'm not too sure yet, honestly. It's, it's, uh, we have many things that we're going after. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think the, you know, I think, I think what you'll see, if anything, is us start to expand, you know, um, the idea of hardware and, and isotope into the future. You know what I mean? That's, that's where I think we're, you know, the, the, the form factor we've delivered with Spire, I think it's a good indication of the type of experiences you want to deliver in the future. And it just so happens there's a microphone in that. So who knows? Yeah, Maybe yeah. something's coming. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, see uh, uh, dare I say, isotope coming out of the box. And, and right. building some hardware, yeah. So it'd be very interesting. And, and it's getting into a, that sort of area now where people have, yeah, people have gone from outboard that, you know, some reluctantly have moved into the box 100%. And now all of a sudden there's people coming sort of half out the box. Um, so it's doing a bit of a circle. Yeah. I find it kind of amazing when you start to think about how these little devices that we have that everybody has you know like the echoes and the all these other um kind of home devices like we're, we're developing these like kind of really connected software and hardware experiences and i just think it delivers the coolest it can just do so many cool things we've never been able to do before and it, it really excites me about where the future of, of consumer technology is going um and how it may actually happen in the audio world you know so yeah, it's exciting stuff, man. Yeah, very exciting. Now, I do notice that we uh, we, we have to get a new plug-in to remove the background noise of a Porsche 944 because I've got a funny feeling Robert's in the car now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next plug-in for sure. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isotope 944. That sounds cool. Actually, I know a person who can remove the Porsche 944 out of your driveway. <laughs> yes, you know, my, my, my 944 is working now. I just got it. In fact, this year I decided to put antique plates on it. Funny enough. Ah. Yeah, it's now functional. Lovely. It's, it's always got something, though. It is like older. Well, in order to yeah. make a plug in that would do anything re re regarding that car's sound, we would need to have it for a number of months in the house. There you go. You might have to, uh, yeah, if you want anything specifically designed for that, you may have to hand it over for about nine months for us to uh, do something useful with it. So, I was going to say, uh, you'd, yeah. you'd, probably need, you'd probably need a few good test drives too, wouldn't you, Dan, in there somewhere, I would imagine. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You've got to mic it up correctly, make sure that's the right. Good, so you know, many really variables. Woof. <laughs> Cover all scenarios. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, regarding hardware, like, you know how 
picture has a couple of hardware boxes and tends to like, you know, here's a, a few simple faders and it achieves some amazing results. Uh, is, is there any consideration for that type of box? So like when you were talking about hardware? Uh, we actually did that a long time ago. Um, we had a noise reduction box that had two channels in it. And um, it was so good that everybody bought one and then there was nobody else buying them. And then it just, nobody bought it. <laughs> yeah, it was actually kind of a funny story. Um, yeah, the, it's called the NRB, and it was uh, the first uh, box designed specifically for noise removal. Um, yeah, and then everybody who needed it bought it. Nobody else bought it. And uh, yeah, we forget about it now. <laughs> we have a couple of them. We have a couple of them kicking around the offices. You like, guys still sell that? No, 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 definitely it's, not. It's still a current product? Uh, nope, not at all. It, it, I forget when we end of life it, but... Um, I think there are still some in some broadcast trucks that drive around the country. Um, but yeah, it, it, we discontinued that a number of years ago and, um, now it's just really a paperweight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, really? we, we went down that route. Yeah. We went down that route and, um, it just was the wrong place for us, I think. And, um, yeah, we decided to move and stay on software. So yeah. Rest in peace. The A&RB, you can Google it. It's pretty funny. Thing. <laughs> Uh, All right. So anyway, so for next episode, I'm taking a leaf out of uh, Robert's book. I will be phoning the next episode in from a hammock on the beach in Fiji. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my, what I'm going to do. Nice. Like it. Well, yeah. I won't be. So um, <laughs> boo-hoo to me. Um, thank you, Dan, for joining us on this um, very loose podcast. Yes. <laughs> RX RX that out, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank God it's Friday. The end of Friday. Tweet for Friday perfection. Must be another feel-good Friday. Yeah, time for the weekend. I I-98. That was the Pro Audio Suite. If you have any questions or ideas for a show, let us know via our Facebook, the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.